Hello and welcome back to the Olajide Oyewole LLP podcast. My name is Sandra Oyewole and we are continuing with our discussion on World Intellectual Property Day 2019 with the theme Reach for Gold, Intellectual Property and Sports. Still with me are our guests, Ajibola Olomola, Shadi Morgan and Bimboilo. If you are just joining us, we have been discussing technology, tax, contracts, intellectual property, and branding. In keeping with the theme of this year's World Intellectual Property Day, one fundamental issue is what next in the life of the athlete after his or her sports career comes to an end? Well, probably take the first step uh, at this, and then Bimbo and Shadi can come in. Uh, but when I think of the average age of sportsmen at retirement, take football, by the time you're 26, 27, you're approaching retirement. Mm. By age 40, no club's going to buy you. Just yeah. using football as an example. Mm. Track and field is another example. Mm. So these guys actually retire from the profession, if I may call it a profession, Absolutely. advisedly. Mm. They retire quite young. Mm. So you then ask yourself, what do you do when you're a 30-year-old retired athlete? Mm. That's where education comes in. Because with education, your options are open. So we've got to be able to motivate our sportsmen if we're attracting them and identifying them when they're pretty young, putting them on football scholarships, on basketball scholarships, yes. where they can pursue the development of the sport and of their own skills in the sport, while at the same time obtaining education that can provide for them in retirement. And I think that's the direction we should, we should encourage our sportsmen to go. These are very well-made points. Bimbo, do you want to add on to this? I'll take it away from football because I think there's specificities in football where it's very, very difficult in, in, the, in the life cycle of a footballer to actually add education, formal education through that process, especially through the academies, you know, etc. But if you look, for instance, at Nigerian um, sports, uh, sports personalities, um, if we highlight track and field athletics, for example, the major difference between a lot of the track athletes and the footballers, as an example, is that the athletes are uh, they're educated. Right. Several of them are educated up until university, and many of them have masters. I'll, I'll use myself as an example. For instance, whilst I was sitting doing my masters in Lausanne in the Olympic capital, three of my uh, of my um, colleagues on the course are former Olympians, Swiss cycling athletes. That, for instance, realize that. Post career, they needed to get the right certification in education. So education is key. Education, absolutely 100% yeah. key. So, Shadow, this brings us back to what you were saying in the previous point. So, if you could share a bit more on that. Thank you, Sandra. Yes, well, education is key. Uh, and just to Jibola and Bimbo's point about the post yeah, educational qualifications that sportsmen and women can, should, should try to, to also invest in. Well, I also feel from another angle, um, if you look at what's the opportunity for corporate entities to support in this future career. Absolutely. When you look at Nigeria as a whole, I think the, one of the biggest challenges we have is that we don't have enough um, academies, sports academies across all the various types of sports. Uh, companies need to invest. So if you're considering where are your CSR opportunities, invest in the sports academies. Mm. With that, you then provide a ready platform and source for these post-qualification 
further educated, retired sportsmen and women to then have tangible opportunities where they can actually pass on their skills, work in these academies. I mean, we look at places like Russia, China, where you have huge investments in sports. You have a lot of retired sportsmen and women that work in these academies and teach and bring up the youth to international standards of, of excellence. So we need to see how we can also start to do that. The corporate uh, sector can start to invest and bring up that level of excellence in Nigeria as well. Thank you very much, Shadi, all of you for um, this robust discussion on this particular aspect. And it brings us, I think, to um, a final point on the future of the sports industry in Nigeria. Here in Nigeria, on a global scale, what do we see as the things that we need to do um, going forward in our own sports industry, in the business of sports? Jibola? Um, thank you, Sandra. Uh, so for me, we need to come to a point where we decide for ourselves as a nation how we want to view sport. It can continue to be very government-influenced and dominated uh, through the auspices of the sports ministry. That's done a great job so far with all due credit given to them. But are they going to be able to take us to where we want to go to? Or are we going to be able to foster the stakeholders in the respective sports ecosystem because the football ecosystem is a bit different from that for track and field or that for say uh, tennis or boxing. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to get the stakeholders in each of these sub ecosystems to be able in a sense to foster an understanding of what's required and government can facilitate to the extent possible the creation of these exchanges, these value exchanges, where they come together, if you like, almost in a self-regulatory capacity and determine how they want to organize their sport, the entry points, the inputs, the outputs, the protocols, the standards for the game, the standards for the facilities, standards for the athletes, and simply create a vibrant ecosystem for themselves. Other countries have considered using legislation. Absolutely. So we've got to be able to create that in Nigeria. And the question is, how do we do it? Mm. And I think it's by fostering the stakeholders in the respective areas to come together and determine how to create these sub-economies. It's literally aligned to what Jibola is saying. Um, and for me, it's producting. It's, it's having a very distinct Niger sports product. Not too dissimilar to music, because I remember certainly in the 90s, and uh, yeah, in the 90s, it was all American rap, and then there's been that sea change, mm. and it's now all Niger beats, you know, African mm. beats. It's, it's in being very, very deliberate and very, very strategic. So it needs to be a Niger product. For instance, we're excited about AFCON mm. coming up in June. And the whole, the whole difference in the competition is very, very distinct from the Euros or the World Cup. Mm. So CAF is kind of already projecting and getting that right. And I think that we need to take from there. For me, it's always about a recombination of ideas. We product, and we start with football. Mm. We product that, so it's a Niger product. And that's when I think we'll start getting it right. We'll get people back into the stadiums. I think we need to mix this also with a little bit of music and African flavor. And then, then, then it starts becoming interesting. Very good. Chade, before you, you talk about it, I, I recently saw um, a video 
um, Nigerian fashion was being displayed and it was Nigerian music that was playing. I had never seen that before. Not only was it Nigerian music, but the Nigerian models were dancing shaku shaku along those lines on the catwalk. And it did occur to me, I wonder what Anna Winter would think of this, but <laughs> it ties in with what you're saying here because you need to look at what will work in our own country. Shadi, please go ahead. No, I, I love the proudly Niger theme that we have going on in Nigeria right now. So right from the music, the dance, the dress, and to the sports. But looking at sports and how can we make sports proudly Niger as well? We, the CSR opportunity for me coming again as a corporate organization is that we need to also use it to address the challenges we have in society. So when you look at the teeming population of unemployed youth, and then you counterbalance that with what are we doing with our retired sportsmen and women? I think back to Jibola's point that we need to invest in more sports academies. We need to be able to create viable platforms for sponsorship where people can train, the young men and women can train and be trained by some of our sports greats, retired sportsmen and women. Aside from the brand sponsorships, let's also start to invest in the future of sports and use that to then address the challenges we have with unemployment, with um, drugs, with uh, alcohol abuse, uh, with all the ills of society. You, you can do so much through sports. So that's also an opportunity for partnership. This brings us to the end of this podcast series. And I'd like to say thank you very much to our guests, Bimboilo, Ajimola Olomola and Shadi Morgan for sharing their insights. It's been truly informative. Finally, I'd like to say thank you very much to our listeners for listening to all the episodes in this podcast series. This is Sandra Iwole saying thank you and goodbye.